everybody, this is Townsend. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, and mental health advocate, and I started the You're Not Alone project and podcast to help educate, spread awareness, and simply help you feel a little less alone, no matter what you're going through. Thank you so much for tuning in to Season 2 of You're Not Alone with Townsend. Be sure to click the follow button and share these stories. You can also watch the interviews on our YouTube under Townsend T Music. You can also keep up with the journey if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Townsend T Music. Every like, follow, and share helps us continue to change lives. What is up, everybody? Welcome to You're Not Alone with Townsend. Today, we're going to be talking about strokes. And this story really caught my eye, not just because of the stroke, but because of the age. We're going to be talking with Olivia Lewis about her story through surviving a stroke and not even just a stroke, but she refers to it as locked-in syndrome. And I don't know about you guys, but even just saying that makes me anxious, like being thinking about being completely locked in your body, but knowing what you want to say, but she's made a miraculous recovery and your story is just so amazing. So I am like really excited to dive into this. I want to start with that. Thank you so much for joining. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. And yeah, let's dive in. Let's do it, girl. Well, let's start off with who the heck is Olivia Lewis? So, you know, I am a your typical quote unquote 25 year old. Um, I'm still trying to honestly figure out my my path in life. Are we all? Um, but I um out of the blue I had this crazy thing happen to me and now I'm kind of putting the pieces back together in my life and trying to really find my direction um but you know what I'm trying to learn to love the journey so here I am that is it I love that so much so you're 25 now where are you located like what state? I'm are you in, in Virginia. I'm in Virginia. I love Virginia so much. So I play music full time and I have toured in Virginia many times and it is beautiful. Oh, wow. Where are you from? I am in Arkansas. Have you ever been there? I haven't. No. We are known as the natural state. So everything's very outdoorsy. You can ride and hike and climb and all those things. So next time you come through Arkansas, you'll have to hit me up. I will. I'll have to do and that. And I'll show yeah, you I all know- around. I noticed that little twinge in your voice, so I knew you had to be from from somewhere. <laughs> from somewhere south, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so today we're going to be chatting about strokes. So let's start off, for people that don't know, Olivia, could you give us like a definition of what a stroke is, or some people refer to it as a CVA? Yeah, so I... Again, had no idea when I was 21 what really a stroke was. And, you know, unfortunately, I've had to learn. But a stroke essentially happens when blood flow to the brain is blocked. And in my case, I had a brainstem stroke, which is the most severe of them all. Wow. I think of the brainstem as like the connection from the brain to the body. And that was essentially severed. So I could not send signals from my brain to my body. And not to go too far forward, that's kind of where locked-in syndrome comes in. I was able to think very clearly, but I was not able 
to send those messages from my brain to my body. Wow, that is wild. So strokes can happen pretty much anywhere, but the brainstem stroke, like you said, it's so devastating to the body because you can't get those signals out. You can't tell your body, you know what, I want to move my legs, I want to move my arms. And so that is so wild. I don't hear about that very often, a brainstem stroke, especially at your age, 21. Like that is, that's a baby. Yes, it is extremely rare. Um, Brainstem strokes in particular, but locked in syndrome happens to about 1% of all strokes. So that's even rarer. Wow. That is something I didn't know either. That is wild. So when you had the stroke, one, did you know you were having a stroke when it happened? No. So I was in college. I was, had just started my fall semester in my senior year of college. And I, you know, was dealing with some stress, dealing with some typical senior year obstacles. I was in it, having an internship. I had a job. I was busy in school and whatever. And I had some on and off migraines here and there for like two weeks prior to the incident. Um, I was feeling more fatigued than usual, but I kind of wrote it off to what my daily life was like. I mean, it made sense objectively. It really is bizarre in this situation is that my symptoms were fleeting. So I would have a migraine and it would go away if I drank some caffeine or took a nap. So I didn't think again too much into it because I was 21, I was healthy. I didn't think a stroke was in my in my cards. Absolutely. So, so I um hung out with friends the night before my stroke. And when I came home, I was feeling okay. And I went to bed around midnight and I in the middle of the night I felt this excruciating pain run up the back of my neck and into my head and my body reacted and I just flung out of bed and I landed headfirst into the floorboards and I just laid there for a second and then I realized I can't move and I can't speak I could not call out to my roommates down the hall I could not reach and grab my phone I could not do a single thing but lie there. And I was in total and utter confusion, shock, fear, everything. Um, But I laid there for a good two hours until someone found me. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Wow. So when they found you, were they like, okay, we got to get you to the emergency room? Like something's obviously wrong. (sighs) Well, I was at that point not responsive at all so wow. yeah they definitely they definitely were like we've got to call the ER but or 911 but um yeah the only reason that my truly that my roommates came in to check on me because you know we were all in our routines at this point senior year and so my roommates would not have usually come into my room early in the morning on a weekday but I had 
alarm set for my classes and I set like 20 alarms for the same class just so that I can make sure I get up and get out of bed and that morning my alarms all went off and they kept going off and they weren't turning off obviously so my roommates came in they found me on the floor I was not able to respond and I actually remember my roommates, I remember feeling the vibrations of their footsteps running into my room, yelling out like we've got hot 911. From there, you know, I remember nothing until the, I heard the ambulance sirens coming down the road. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be saved. Wow. Holy moly. What's crazy is they were probably going in your room like, turn the alarms off. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> wake up, golly. They, they went in annoyed and then they're traumatized after that. That is wild. Okay, so we kind of touched on this before. You said you didn't really know what a stroke, but all jokes aside, did you have any education or awareness of a stroke before this happened? I knew that that could happen I'd heard of one and you know I had family members that had a history but did I think that happened to me at 21 definitely not oh yeah and, absolutely and um did I know the you know the intricacies of the stroke and what really could happen to your body no I didn't yeah, absolutely. I didn't even know if you had heard the term. I feel like unless you have a family that's, you know, struggled with that in the past or a diagnosis of that, mm -hmm. you don't really ever hear stroke. It's not something we talk about on the daily, you know what I mean? So right. at least at least you knew a little bit about what a stroke was, I guess is the best way to word it. Okay, so you're 21 years old. You're literally a baby. Did the doctors have any idea what might have caused your stroke? Yeah, so this question Always is, is a tricky question to answer because, you know, I was a healthy 21 year old. I did not have underlying conditions, mm -hmm. but the stroke was caused by, and bear with me, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but my stroke was caused by vertebral artery dissections. Yep. And I, those are tears in the back of your neck, essentially. So think mm -hmm. about you know, the arteries in the back of your neck. And those were torn spontaneously. So I was not in a car accident. I was not in some traumatic event that would have caused these. These were essentially happened, essentially happened when I, I mean, no one knows for sure, but I, they assume that maybe I like, cracked my neck the wrong way or lifted something too heavy no one really knows what caused them they that this shouldn't have happened because usually this does happen when you are in a, like I said in a traumatic event so that was the cause but no one knows why that happened interesting so I've actually heard of that before and they are like minuscule little bitty tears you would never guess and so right. nobody ever sees them before because you don't right. have any other symptoms wow 
and then essentially they bleed and then clots you know shoot to your brain right wow that is wild okay i i'm really taken aback by the locked in syndrome part so can we jump in a little bit more for that so what did yes. that feel like for you i know you said one percent of strokes have it which just blows my mind you got dealt the crappy card let's be for real <laughs> but what a cool thing that you can now explain it to people because I think right. it's really cool um for me so I have a degree in healthcare therapy and people that are locked in or people that have a stroke the ones I have talked to that were able to verbalize what they thought afterwards were like literally I would be dying for a drink of water and people talk about you all around you thinking, oh, you can't talk. So obviously you don't know anything this is what people right. assume, which is totally not true. Right. And I think, too, you know, I had lost all control over my facial muscles. So not only could I not verbally communicate, but I was not able to express myself through my face. Wow. And so I really did look like I was not in there. Wow. So did you find people talking negatively around you? I never had anyone really talk negatively around me. I had a lot of people, a lot of medical professionals kind of talk over me, talk to my family. Um, when when a lot of them did know that I I was cognitively intact, they still directed, you know, questions to my family or comments and no one, a lot of people didn't take the time to learn how I communicated and take the time to, you know, know what was on my mind. Wow. So were you able to communicate maybe through like an eye board or something? Yeah. So I communicated initially with a letter board. So my family would basically list the alphabet and I would blink on the letter that I wanted to use to spell the sentence that I wanted to say. Um, so if I, I use this example a lot. If I wanted water, if I wanted, I don't know, if I wanted water, I would say, or I would spell out, I want water. Um, but the way I would do that or the way that, that would happen was I would have to have a communication partner or a family member be able to spell out the alphabet so that I could communicate and blink my eyes to make my sentence possible. That is exhausting. Right. Wow. Who, Definitely. how were they able to figure out that you were all there? Did you have like a speech therapist or someone come in? Their brain scans, they were able to tell. Um, and like I said, because the, there was, the brain stem was impacted. Usually when you have a brain stem stroke, your upper brain function remains intact. So my motor functions were, were affected, but my ability to think and reason was all intact. That is amazing. That is so wild. You know, there's a there's a book out. I don't know the name of it or who it's by, but I've heard a lot of stories about it. A man had this locked in syndrome and was only able to use his eyes. And he wrote an entire book. All right. The diving bell and the butterfly. That's it. Yeah. Have you yeah, read it? I have. I have. I've also seen the movie. They have a movie out. You should watch. 
Yes, isn't that Yeah, it's phenomenal. It is amazing. He wrote the entire book through eye blinks. Yes, that that is wild. Even hearing you say, I spelled out, I want water with my eyes, exhausts me. So imagine writing, you know, 200 pages of a book with just your eye blinks. Like we take so many things for granted, don't we? Right, we do, definitely. Crazy. Okay, so what did recovery look like for you? So you're laying in bed, just to paint a picture, you're laying in bed, you can't even tell anyone you want water. What the heck, where do you go from there? So... It was very, very, I'm, I'm going to be honest, very overwhelming, as you can imagine. Um, you know, from the get-go, I was told, my family was told that I had no chance of recovery. And that was in itself just the hardest thing to grapple with because I was being told by professionals that we're supposed to know it all that was going to look like for me and that I was not going to improve and um you know there was basically essentially no hope so I had to kind of come get with myself and really gather my thoughts and be like okay this is what people are telling me but this is what I'm going to accomplish and I thankfully had the best support system around that really helped propel me forward and really helped me get to from point A to point B and further, obviously down along that line so that I could accomplish my goals. Wow. So did people tell me that? Because obviously when you're in that setting, you have rehab and therapy and physical therapy, occupational therapy. When you heard people say that, were you like, well, then I don't want to do therapy. What's the point of that? Yeah, I mean, I, um, in my head, I was like, all you can do is try. You have a choice. You can either do nothing and nothing's going to change for you. And, you know, it is what it is. Or you have a slim chance of improving something. and But you have to try to make that happen. And so I decided to do the latter. and really you know do everything that in my in my power which I ha- didn't have much power in the situation but I knew that you know I no one else could save me I had to like make the decision that I wanted to save myself and mm. do everything I can yeah goodness gracious how long did you do rehab so I was so I was in Virginia in four different hospitals until I went to inpatient rehab in Boston for it was from um January to May and then I did outpatient therapy from May to honestly now I'm still in outpatient therapy to a degree but where I was doing it every week I was in outpatient therapy probably till June of 2020 I mean it was crazy yeah so you're basically working out constantly right doing exercises constantly yeah so what took you to Boston is there like a specialty something there yeah so I had done a lot of research on what was the best program for real rehabilitation and 
Spalding in Boston was number two at the time. And I knew I had to go there. And it was a long shot because it was out of network. And, you know, I had to, I was not cleared to fly commercially. So I had to um, actually go on a medical flight. Um, and so again, it was, it was far out there, but I, you know, I said, if I, if I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm going to go all the way or I'm going to do this right. And so I tried as hard as I could to make that happen. And we, we made it happen, all of us together, all my family, my friends, everyone. So. Wow. So basically you're a pretty determined person. (laughs) I guess you could say that, you know, to answer your question also earlier where you, where you asked who I was, you know, another, another quick answer to that is that I am, I feel like a very gritty and scrappy person. I always have been, um, you know, whether it be bullying or not having, great grades before my stroke I always ended up pulling it off like making my bullies my friends and and getting on the test at the final hour um and then that carried over into my stroke and I just when I put my mind to something I almost always accomplish it I love it. Well, basically, we need to be friends. If I need something done, I'm going to call Olivia up to get it done because you made mountains move and we put you down. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And I want to be your friend. So let's do it. It's done. It's already done. I tell everybody that comes on my podcast, you're basically signing a verbal agreement that we're friends (laughs) from now on. So (laughs) all right, fair, fair. Let's do it. I think that's a good that's a good trade off. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So obviously, you quite literally went through hell and back. But what would you say was your biggest obstacle going through this? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a a hard question. But like, what sticks out to you being like, that was the biggest one? I think how, honestly, how overwhelming this whole thing was and how, again, uh, going maneuvering this whole journey, I had no idea if I was going to pull it off. And I didn't have, you know, a lot of people telling me that I was going to pull it up, pull it off. So I think I having to like, retell myself, like, keep going, keep going, keep going, like and motivating myself to continue to push through was so challenging because I had days where I just wanted to throw in the towel and give up and stop everything and and I had to kind of get with myself and be like you know you you are committed to this and you've got to keep moving because again no one else is going to come in and do it for you wow and the odds were stacked against you anyway you might as well try like right do it that is wow like I am so blown away by you that is amazing (laughs) okay I think my question now and I think everybody could agree with this other than being like gritty and dirty and being able to do things what helps you get through those bad days like it's got to play part in your mental health right like people talking down and thinking you're not going to make it and being the only one really pushing yourself 
Well, one thing I would say is when I was going through the stroke, I had to let myself be in the moment. And I had to, even though I knew I had to keep pushing forward, I had to let be patient with myself and let myself rest and give myself a day to be sad and to be angry and to be frustrated and do nothing and just maybe lay in bed for the whole day. But the next day I would, you know, get back up and I would keep trying. But I just really think you need to be patient with yourself and give yourself grace because otherwise you're going to burn yourself out if you never, never let yourself stop. I love that. Listen to your body. I love that. Absolutely. There was a book I read one time. It said feels are meant to be felt. That's why they're called feels. So when your body right, says exactly. you're tired, like, relax. I love that. Yeah. Now I think that I really, really have, when I have my bad days, I really am, I'm very, um, what's the word? I, I guess, in a, in a, I've lost of words. I practice self-care and I really, you know, I let myself do a face mask or take a hot bath or um, go for a walk and I just really listen to myself and that goes back to you know you have to listen to your body but I think you also have to listen to your mind and do all the things that help you feel your best. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always love to hear what self-care looks like for other people because it can be a little bit different for everybody. I've had answers all over the board about self-care, but basically letting people know whatever that looks like for you, that's okay. Listening to your body, listening to your mind and just how important that is. So I love that you do that. Okay. How can people decrease their risk of a stroke so I know you were 21 it kind of came out of the blue nobody really knows what made those tear in the back of your neck but how could people maybe listening be like okay I want to decrease my chances of that so yeah so I my stroke was not preventable but a lot of a, a large percentage of strokes are and some of the main ways to reduce that risk is to reduce stress to exercise to eat healthy um you know there are a bunch of other other ways to reduce that risk but um one of the main reasons that people have strokes is stress and so it's so important to manage that Yeah. And I think that kind of goes back to listening to your body and listening to your mind in 2023 I feel like We have so much stress, so much more than the world has ever really known because we're working 24-7 because, you know, work is at your fingertips all the time and school is at your fingertips all the time. And like you mentioned, you had a job, you had school, you had friends, like we're just always keeping up with the Joneses, doesn't it feel like? Mm -hmm. Right. Goodness, goodness. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Olivia. So if people were to take away one thing from this conversation we had, whether it be about a stroke or self-care, whatever, what do you feel like is one thing that they should take away from this conversation? I think it's just so important to take everything day by day. Um, Again, you have no control of what's going to come into your life, 
But all you can do is really take it step by step, day by day. You know, with my recovery, I had to quite literally take it step by step. And now post-stroke, I have to take it day by day because things arise out of the blue or, you know, I have incidents that I wasn't prepared for. So I have to take it day by day and everyone has to take it day by day. And I just think it's really important to understand that. And, you know, that's how you move forward is to really understand how you can best do that. So. Absolutely. Show yourself grace. Be kind to yourself. Things don't always go the way we think they will, but it will be okay. I love that. Olivia, your story, like I am just blown away by you. Honest to goodness, like it is such a miracle that you are sitting here sharing your story, articulating it. Like that is crazy to me. Well, thank you again so much for having me. I think doing these podcasts helped me process even a little more of what happened, you know, for those four years ago. So again, I'm so happy to share my story with all the listeners and with you. And it was just such a pleasure to be here today. Absolutely. The pleasure is ours for sure. Like I said, you've signed a verbal contract. We're going to be friends now. We're going to be checking in. And thank you so much for coming in for chatting with us and we will see everybody next week olivia we'll catch you later okay thank you bye if you'd like to hear the rest of this interview visit patreon.com slash townsend music and don't forget you can also watch the interviews on our youtube channel at townsend music youtube i've literally been craving a turkey bacon wrap from cross creek sandwich shop all day This is one of those places that I miss before I even leave. It's that delicious. And their signature sugar cookie, oh, count me in. My personal favorite's the strawberry iced sugar cookie, but you gotta go and try them for yourself. Let me know which one you like best. They're located on Oak Street and Conway, so whether you're looking for catering or a place to swing in to catch up with a friend, Cross Creek is the place to go. The environment is fun and laid back, the staff is friendly, and the food is amazing. When I swing through town, this stop is a must. And they're even open for breakfast some days now, so be sure to follow them on socials to keep up with their hours and their menu options at Cross Creek Sandwich. And I'll see you there. Okay guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell, I have the perfect company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area, but they're able to serve you no matter where you're located in the state. They've streamlined the process of buying or selling a home to make it so much easier. They have a team of industry experts that make sure you have access from anything you can think of. I'm talking from local home inspectors to painters to gardeners and so much more just to provide you with the best service possible. They're dedicated to providing the most up-to-date market data in the area. And I think the coolest part is if you go on their website, you can use their easy-to-use fast property search. You can even create a custom market report to see what's active, under contract, and sold in your neighborhood. Their team is made up of caring, knowledgeable professionals that work around the clock to help you with the process of buying and selling your home. So again, if you're in the market to buy or sell, Clark & Co. Realty is definitely the company for you. Tell them Townsend sent you. Let's be honest. I think we could all use somebody to talk to 
every now and then. Healing Path Counseling in Conway, Arkansas is 100% my go-to when it comes to therapy. Wendy Blackwood has more credentials than letters in the alphabet. She's won awards for her outstanding services and has a whole page of board memberships. Basically, she knows what she's doing. She works hard to help equip you with the tools needed to live your best life. She even offers a variety of services including, but not limited to, cognitive behavioral therapy, technology-assisted counseling, relationship counseling, and EMDR. Trust me, I know therapy can be intimidating at first, but let me assure you, Wendy does her best to make you comfortable and find the best solutions and plans for you. Trust me, don't wait to make the call. Give Wendy Blackwood at Healing Path Counseling a call today. Get started on the best version of you. If you enjoyed this conversation and are interested in becoming a sponsor, feel free to shoot me an email at townsendteenmusic at hotmail.com or shoot me a message on any social media platform at Townsend Team Music for more information. I would love for you to become a member to help spread awareness that you're not alone.